Welcome to the first ever episode of what is currently known as the Bumala TV podcast. My name is Gerdes, Gerdes Oosthuizen, but seeing as that is an extremely difficult name, I produce music under the name Bumala, and I've unashamedly branded everything Bumala currently because I couldn't be bothered to think of more names. And in this podcast, I'm going to be hosting really good friends and um, people who are good music producers and in the audio technology scene here in Berlin and talk to them about their journey through music and how they got to Berlin and their process producing music and their software they use, the plugins they prefer. I would, in general, I'm thinking that this podcast will ultimately be quite nerdy um, and focus on the audio technological side of things, but I'm very open for it to become whatever it will become over time. Who knows? Obviously, this is the first one. I'm still figuring out how to put it out and how to get the podcasts live in the first place. So, um, yeah, obviously, at first, it's going to be myself and my guest and probably my mom and dad listening to this um, first episode. But hopefully, over time, um, it will become something that might serve somebody. I don't know. There was a time that I was a young little boy in South Africa dreaming about coming to Berlin. And fuck knows how I made it happen, but I did. And I am here now and I'm able to play with synthesizers and tweak knobs to my heart's content. So I thought I would just share in that journey with you. So my first guest this week is uh, Temple Hayes, um, a very talented musician and producer from um, Washington, D.C., uh, that I met some years ago in Berlin, and he agreed to be my my guinea pig, um, my first guest on the pod, and also my first guest on the Bumala TV Live experience. With the Bumala TV Live experience, I um, rigged a little OBS broadcasting system, um, and uh, we broadcast live from my studio here in Neukölln, Berlin. Um, uh, while and what we essentially do is. Uh, electronic music exploration, uh, improvisation, and outer space jams. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, I was thinking at first to do it uh, every second week, every Thursday, um, but I realized that unfortunately regularity is not going to be possible at the moment because I still need to produce an album, I need to do commercial work, and I need to do all kinds of things. But this is something that I do want to do and that I'm quite passionate about, so they will keep rolling. Just go to Bumala TV on YouTube and like or subscribe. Find me on Instagram and you'll keep updated and you'll know when the next thing is happening. So let's uh, get to it then. Uh, this is Temple Haze. Yeah, I don't want to say come in, uh, on the studio live. Why not? Your voice is so much deeper than mine. Dude, I've got a deep voice. Dude, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey, everybody. 
And I'm like, he's far away from the mic. Like, yeah, what are you doing? You have that proximity effect. That's good. Proximity effect. Radio are, voice. Yes, uh, we have Temple Hayes in the studio. <laughs> I mean, like my radio voice. Um, okay, no, but seriously, we are starting. Starting the pod. Um, we are both amateur podcasters. Uh, well, I don't, I don't have a podcast. Well, I mean, not yet. I mean, there's only those people that have a podcast and those people that are still going to get a podcast. True. Those are the two types of people in the world. I've thought about it, man. I mean, we've all thought about yeah. it. And for me, like, with the podcasting, it's something that I, like, I've also always wanted to do because since a young child, I've been, like, quite a big fan of spoken word. Mm. Like, we have, like, you know, you have FM radio and then you also have AM, AM radio. Mm. I don't know if AM is used much in the States, but in South Africa... used to be. Yeah. yeah. But in South Africa, there's, like, two channels in the AM. Mm. And the one is talk radio. And I just, like, used to just love tuning into talk radio and just yeah, listening to man. people talk about stuff. <laughs> and uh, I also really wanted to do that, but it was like, okay, it needs to kind of make sense conceptually. Mm. And I thought, okay, cool. Well, we are producers, musicians, sound designers, fuck around artists here in Berlin, you know, which is in and of itself. I don't know for you for coming from the States, but for me in South Africa, this was like kind of like Valhalla in a way. It was like a place mm. I really wanted to get to. Mm. Berlin, like, you mean? Berlin specifically, mm -hmm. you know. And also one of the few places as a South African that it was like possible for me to potentially get to. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought, yeah, you know, like it could be cool. There could be other musicians, other aspiring artists or creatives or people mm. that might find it interesting hearing what it's like here right now. And, you know, just seeing what kinds of artists are around. So talking about artists that are around, I've got... The Temple Haze, the Temple Haze, <laughs> in studio with me. And Temple's a really, really um, talented musician and producer. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. We crossed paths the first time actually at a very... Uh, a healing arts festival. Healing arts festival. Mm. And we did a men's circle together. Well, we, we participated exactly. in a men's circle together. And we were partners, actually. Yeah, because yeah. Our, our girlfriends at the time where um, I'm still dating the lovely girl, um, Temple sadly not, but um, they were friends. So through them, yeah. so through them, they were like, oh, you guys must go do the men's circle together. Right, you right. can partner up and like yeah. do the thing. And You're both conscious yeah, and you do yeah, yoga yeah. and you should do it. But I mean, I remember yeah. quite well because you guys actually hosted a session there, right? So, yeah, um, we did so, like a sound journey or something or other. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, so apart from all the musical endeavors that you have with Temple Hayes as a singer-songwriter, soul indie artist and then of course electronic producer and mm -hmm. sound designer you also obviously yourself and uh, Elisa Reimer you have this Sonero collective have obviously being mm -hmm. um, not have but this Sonero collective that you are kind of like the heads of and mm -hmm. um, do a lot of cool things through and it was through this that you were at this you know thing and I remember that it was a kind of I think the session was a yoga session but it entailed you uh playing piano and singing yeah that would room. have been then like yin yoga sound journey probably yeah or or vinyasa flow and then there's like a dj set attached to that and then in the end because they have this yeah big, yeah um, that's exactly what grand it was piano yeah so you were you, you were playing on. like sick tunes and then basically you ended with i think describe it all mm -hmm. like i think like but on piano right do you play it on piano? do you play it on piano maybe Maybe just, I did at just, some point. Let's just say that that's would what be happened. nice. Would be nice. But I, I, I can very much remember um, being somewhat intimidated, thoroughly impressed <laughs> by your presence as a musician, um, and 
to be honest, I've also at that point in time not come across many actual Americans in real life. <laughs> so the accent. It's a lot on TV. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like, oh, it's like an American person like you see on the TV with the accent. Yeah, because I get on there and I go, hello, folks, I'm put on show for you. Yeah. Enjoy exactly. my music. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, that was that was the start of it, you know, and like, um, yeah, we came to, came to be friends and then Cal and I ended up joining Sonero Collective. But it was pretty crazy because when we when we met each other and we did this men's circle together, it was kind of like an initiation somehow. Yeah, it was a pretty it was, deep men's circle. Because it, it was actually from Michael, who's also a friend of ours who we now work with doing other men's gatherings like we did that festival last yeah. year. Um, and he was hosting it with a few other people who do the men's movement and the Lichtatmung. And that thing was crazy. I remember it was like being vulnerable with one another and then you had to basically like cry or come into the other guy's arms and then show aggression towards one another and the other person would hold the space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we never met each other before and I also had never actually been in a men's circle before and that that we connect on that level. Yeah, yeah, from the start. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I remember even in the end there was um, this thing where you had to become an animal. Yeah, that's right. And then everyone becomes a specific animal and you go around. And when I talked to Michael, who was hosting the circle also afterwards, he told me, he's like, yeah, we, we were just kind of putting it together. It was the first time we really figured what we we're going to do. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was interesting for them too. So it was like yeah. this kind of first time of many different things. And the guy I live with now, who's also a meditation teacher, I also saw him for the first time there. Okay. So it's kind of like a synchronicity that was, that circle. Was, that was a moment that in happened. time. Yeah. That was a moment in time. Yeah, I meant... Not, not that, I mean, I'm very open to us um, going all over the show, um, but uh, obviously we're predominantly here going to be focused on music and sound and nerd stuff. But to still stay on that topic just for a moment, which I think was really kind of like special there, which I actually is a memory that sticks with me still, was in that men's circle that had a, the female observer, remember? True, yeah. They had like mm -hmm. the, the woman there the whole Caddy. time just, just mm -hmm. observing. Amazing then, singer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we had that moment where we had to sing. I think it was sounding or something. Yeah. And then... Well, most she, of the guys are just going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. But I think, yeah, I, I do recall some harmonies between the two of us. And then... Uh, yeah, true. And then true. she she answered. And then in that mm -hmm. moment of hearing that, like, juxtaposition between the definite male voice and energy and hers, like, so much kind of became apparent to me without words, you know? So, at the very least, it's uh, it's good to put yourself in some weird, airy-fairy um, spiritual situations. From yeah, time to time. man. Especially with, when it's with other guys and really like confronting and being vulnerable and, and, and feeling all that. And I thought it was very important that she was there, actually. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you know, when she just started singing, and of course, she's an amazing singer, Caddy Taylor. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and when she did that, and you could just see the guys just crumble. Yeah. You know, inside, and everyone's like, oh, like the mother, and like, ah. Yeah. It, was, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was a vibe. It mm. was a definite vibe. <clears throat> but also a privilege that we have in Berlin, right? Like having yeah, access sure. to those kinds of esoteric kind of um, things, at least just being on, like, in abundance. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure people are doing a men's circle or a meditation right now, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, which is not like necessarily the case back home in south africa and I don't that's know one of the things i love about berlin is all the different scenes you know because when i first came here i was just basically a folk busker playing same, on the same, street dude, same thing and just like kind of just throwing my heart out there and just doing it and very confused and drinking and you know just living that kind of street life you know 
And then I got into the folk scene and met all these different songwriters and got into the band scene, the very small band scene that was here, that probably is still here. Um, and then like just playing with people, but it was like country and folk and singer-songwriter and rock and all mm-hmm. that stuff and just like classic blues and all that stuff. But then at some point, um, I realized there was so much more. And then there's the whole electronic scene that you can dive into. And there's the whole yoga spirituality scene. And those, for me, those are kind of the three main sectors that I kind of go between. Yeah. And the fact that they're all so plentiful and abundant <clears throat> totally is, dude. is crazy. You I, can live like, like three different lives. In totally. To, to me, like I, I describe it to my friends back home often as like, you know, do you remember these choose your own adventure books? Yeah. You ever read them? Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. like, do you go down the corridor and follow what that scary sound or do you go somewhere else? And then you're like, okay, if you choose that, go to page 15 and you like design your own right. like like your own experience and like for me berlin is very much like that like like i remember very distinctly like the other day walking down the street seeing somebody that looked horrendous to me like Mm -hmm. somebody with like like i don't even know how many piercings in their ears like with a like like moak crazy moak thing with like tattoos in the face and neck and everywhere with crazy outfits and i I walked past that person and like burst out like like laughing but smiling mm-hmm. laughing not at the person but at the situation that right. in this world nobody will even like in Berlin people won't even turn to look mm-hmm. and there'll be like a yeah, whole subculture mm-hmm. and micro like there'll be a whole subculture de- like for that guy with stores mm-hmm. with things like s- supplying that guy's like interests yeah, and, yeah. And there's a whole little scene in little friends group that turns into a bigger friends group that has club nights that he then goes to. Yeah, and it's dude. only that, you know, one thing or where the people are like hanging off their piercings. Yeah, or for sure. Whatever, you I, know, there's, I think, there's a niche yeah. for all of that here and it's and, all accepted as well. And I think you and I both have already moved through some different spheres here. I mean, yeah. you're mentioning now that, okay, cool, you came here similarly to me was like the, the start of the journey was busking. I guess it was also just mm-hmm. a way that you could make a quick buck, right? But it was like the only thing I knew how to do. Yeah. I mean, other than I, I worked a bit on farms, did some landscaping work and figured out how to like milk goats and things like that and grow weed and take care of plants. But outside of that, it was just I dedicated myself to music since I was about 17. Uh, and before that, when I was 14 or so, I was just playing in my basement all the time, becoming completely asocial and just doing that. Um and then I just traveled and saw myself as like a nomadic troubadour. I literally called myself Temple the Traveling Troubadour. I printed out business cards no way, when really? I was 17. <laughs> and uh, it said Temple the Traveling Troubadour, like an email address and a, and a thing and a, um, and a phone number. And I would just go around and give that to people. I'm like, I am the traveling nomadic guy who just based his life on on the road by jack kerouac and that's just what i do and like <laughs> okay but so you're saying 17 right so yeah <clears throat> when did you leave home um or move out of your house your so, family home so i left officially when i was 19 okay but when i was 17 i was kind of i i graduated school early because i just came into school early because so i graduated so high school no just because my birthday is in december okay cool. and then it's either you go into Fringe, kindergarten yeah. when you're four or five and they said okay send him in a year early uh, which I'm thankful for. Good decision. Everyone should do that if they can. Um, and then I was just kind of lost for probably two years when, between 17 and 19. And just saving money, working places, went to community college, studied a little bit of anthropology and sociology. And then I was lucky enough to meet a professor named Mr. Clincy, um, who taught me a lot about 
just what it's like to be a black man in America, but then he also taught me about just what it is like human systems just, and anthropology. Just a, note, just a note for the people that aren't seeing this, a temple is not a black man that has lived in America, but... Nah. <laughs> but, sorry. My white boy. <laughs> Disclaimer. All, all my best friends uh, back home are Jamaican, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm really interested in hearing about... Um, about that time but like please continue with your journey yeah. I'll, I'll bring you back to dj riddled in yeah oh god that's the good stuff um yeah so and and i had this big question you know between i guess i'd be 18 at that point of like can i be an artist and like can i be a musician is that something i'm allowed to do as a human being dude i know like what seeing mean. it as as it wouldn't even be possible as in like oh those are dreams and then you should just get your education and get a job and figure that out and buy your house and get in debt and da, da, da. because in America, of course, getting into the full education system is like it's I'm suicide. looking at between twenty <clears throat> to sixty thousand. One of the scariest things about debt. the state to me. State yeah. yeah. It's it's just you get in at an early age mm-hmm. and then you're just constantly paying things off. So you go, Okay, I get a mortgage. Okay, I get a new car because I'm already paying everything off anyway. Get a bunch of credit cards and da da. Um and I just didn't want to be part of that system. I just thought it doesn't make sense. It's not rational. It, it doesn't like just looking at it purely from a logical standpoint. Why do I want to get in tens of thousands of dollars of debt to yeah. get an education where I can't get a job? Right. And so I said, well, I just want to be a musician and da da da. And was reading these books about, you know, so I was reading Ginsburg and Kerouac and like, they're just like going, just do it, just do it. And I did it. And I went to California and then I just worked on farms. I did woofing which is like uh, you do like work trade. So you work on the farm oh, yeah. and they give you food woofing and lodging. Is, woof, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But woofing is a very suspect word in and of itself. Just and like, like I, I know what woofing means, but it <laughs> kind of sounds like some very dodgy thing that you do with animals. <laughs> <laughs> woofing. Okay. okay. So you were woofing, but uh, when did you leave? Because I know, I was 19. So I don't know anything specific, but I've heard about like living in like like kind of like what do you call it when you'd like take over a place squatting squatting like yeah. we're squatting in london, in london. And, and in prague right and uh no I, I lived in a flat in prague i lived on people's couches for a long time okay but i first I, i'd say where kind did you of, go to first from the states uh, and so why I first, there i first went to california because i grew up on the east coast so okay. washington dc yeah not to be mixed up with Washington State, which is the nice one. So okay. we're it's like the political capital. It's yeah. like Barack Obama, George yeah. W. Bush, Donald Trump. It's like you just feel that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there used to be a really cool um, punk scene and electronic music scene. Like Thievery Corporation is from there. Henry Rollins, Black Flag, Thievery Corporation. Do you ever use Logic to bring it to to some no. sound stuff? No. Thievery Corporation did a did a track for for the Logic Nine. I remember, yeah. you know, like when you buy Logic and you install it and then, then it was just like, on my computer and then there's like, <laughs> and then there's just like a project, you know, oh, okay, when you yeah. open it, there's uh-huh. like also with Ableton, you know, like you right, open there's it up that and project, there's yeah. that project, Thievery mm-hmm. Corporation did one. But that yeah. must be cool. It wasn't the, it wasn't the coolest track. I was No, I guess I, they just did it for the money, right? <laughs> I was like, who the fuck there. are these guys? I don't know. Really? Yeah, yeah. but I didn't know them. I still don't really know them very well. But they created a whole scene, like in the, what I've heard is that like, so in the early thousands, the early 2000s and in the 90s, there was this whole thing happening and it was really big and it was like DC political capital taking over with creative artists and da da da. But that all kind of died out when punk music died out. Um, and then so it was just kind of stale in DC. It's just, it's yeah. expensive. You can eat cleanly and go to nice bars. 
there's police everywhere. Like it's very safe. It's you know there's like museums and stuff. But if you're looking for like a creative epicenter or something that you can get inspired by, I didn't find much inspiration there. Yeah. So the West was always calling me. It's like California. You always hear about it. And of course, the books I was reading really, I mean, a hundred percent inspired me. I would have never gone to California if I never read Kerouac. Okay. And it was just like this Bible for me of like how to just do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And. And and of course, in Kerouac's way, not care about any of the repercussions of what you're doing. Yeah. He's just like, do it, live, crazy, madness, art. Because yeah. he came in before any of the hippies happened. This is like the 50s. Yeah. Um, and so I went to California, started just wolfing on this one farm. Um, and then they connected me to another farm. And then I found out ways that I could start making money. Because also when you're just wolfing, it, it's not sustainable at all. I mean, you're working on sustainable biodynamic organic farms. But, but you're not they don't making any the money. Working there. Yeah. No, no. But they're mostly to, kids. Yeah. Okay. Like there's a lot, and then and then there's a lot of college dropouts as well. Like mm-hmm. one of the farms I worked on in Redwood Valley, there was a woman there who studied women's studies. Mm-hmm. So she got like a, a bachelor's in that, and she had I think something between forty to sixty thousand dollars in debt, yeah. and she said, "I'm living in this trailer on this farm because." I have no way of making money with my woman's studies degree other than working in a museum. And I would just have to do that all of my life to pay this off. So I'm just going to live in nature on this farm. Yeah. And like meeting that person gave me such a confirmation of what I was doing, you know, and then, and then I told her my story as well, being a crazy kid at that time. Uh, And then she was just like, yeah, I wish I did what you did. (laughs) And I was like, like, oh fuck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's crazy. Okay, but so so, thing. but but you didn't you didn't ultimately find what you were looking for in in California because you no. left, right? Yeah, well, because you can meet the old hippies. Like I met like some of the people who were in that whole flower power generation and at Woodstock and stuff, and they're all old now, and they have like nice farms. The ones that I met, um, and then I even went like I had this like crazy dream of going to Big Sur because Kerouac has a book called Big Sur, mm-hmm. and he he lived in this like watchtower there and wrote a book, um, and it was this like organic place where you know the hippies were and everything and i and i literally hitched ride i hitchhiked through the entire u.s so from uh redwood valley down to big sur with no plan get there and it's just like a national park and really expensive hotels and i'm just like covered in like hate ashbury tie-dye and everything with like a massive backpack and just like looking for people like where can i sleep what's happening and like oh this is a bad decision <laughs> and then i and then i was like fuck so i slept under a natural rock bridge there was because it's on a cliff right okay. so you have the the highway 101 which goes along the the coast and i just found this little bridge with like a little stream and just slept there and it was the first time i kind of had to sleep outside as a like as a bum yeah so to say and i was so scared but i was on the side of a cliff in the middle of a national park it's like it's kind of the perfect place to yeah. sleep under a bridge, right? And it's yeah, not like sure. a car bridge. It's a natural rock formation. Um, that was fun. It was just like that. those first experiences. And then that, that gave me the confidence to start really going and, and keep hitchhiking and just meet people. And, and I actually started uh, using a different form of currency. Which is what? Marijuana. Okay, so, so, so I worked paid. on, on okay. trimming farms, so like where I would trim weed and everything. And then I had like 60 grams of weed with me. And then I just like went through LA and Santa Cruz and I would trade weed to sleep at people's house. Wow. Because I didn't want money. 
Okay. So it's kind of dumb when I see it from this <clears throat> yeah, point of with view. With 60 grams of weed, you could probably <laughs> yeah. get some money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I would just like meet people and just, I really believed in this like synchronicity and just like, I just meet the people, I find a place to stay day to day, day to day, and just have experiences. And that was the thing. And okay. so I traveled through But California. so were you making music through this time? Like, because music I had a was guitar. The thing, but that wasn't like the main thing. You were just like I was, trying to survive. I was, I was. The way I saw it, I was searching for the soul of America. That's what I was telling people, okay. basically. And I, I was like looking I mean, for that thing. Poetic. Yeah, I was looking for that thing that Kerouac found. And I was looking for that thing that the hippies were looking for. And like this, like, I don't know, this like community or this commune. In the end, if I look back at it, I was just looking for experiences. And I was looking for something that wasn't a city, that wasn't my life that I lived before. You know, yeah. that wasn't my high school. That wasn't those people. I was just yeah, for looking sure. for artists and crazy people. And I was really looking for crazy people. And I found that as well when yeah. I lived in Occupy, which was crazy. What Occupy? Like Occupy Wall Street? Yeah. So the Occupy movement was then in a lot of different major cities. And there was one in San Francisco. And San Francisco was kind of notorious, especially at that time, for having a lot of drugs and a big drug problem. Now Silicon Valley has flushed a lot of that out, but there's still quite a big like like underclass uh, there. And and I just like lived in this park with them um, and had some crazy experiences. We also actually had experiences of crazy conspiracy theories and seeing people who looked like cops who were actually trying to cause trouble or like plants and Dude, stuff that's, like that's that. That's for sure a thing though. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, you could yeah. see it. You could you could see it and you weren't sure if it was just crazy people or is it the cops coming in. And then there was this whole, you know, there's people trying to figure out how to live an anarchist society. Because mm-hmm. that was the point of Occupy, to have your own society within the city that has its own rules, its own laws, so that it's its own community. Um, but yeah, so did a lot of things like that. Traveled, just getting rides, looked on Craigslist to get ride shares and then just traveling through America searching for something. And at some point got back home. Um, but I will say out of all the places I went, like New Orleans, amazing place for musicians and, and people and just a feeling like if, if you would live in America, I mean, New Orleans has this very special particular vibe. Santa Cruz, also beautiful. Um, and outside of those two, I don't know if I would which, live Which Tom Orleans. Robbins plays off in, in that area as well? He does that? a lot in Seattle. But I know this in New Orleans, at least where there's a character. Oh, um, Jitterbug. You, yeah, Jitterbug. Yeah, I yeah, know you there's, like yeah. Tom Robbins as well. The one yeah. lady, one black lady. Yeah, it's like uh, they have a perfume shop. Yes, that's in, right. In yes. New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's all this crazy stuff yeah, that happens there. Tom yeah, yeah. Robbins, what a ditch. Okay, yeah. but why did you leave the States? Like, why? Uh, well, I did that whole search, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like looking for the soul and like it's poetic and the journey and da da da. And I went back home and I went. <laughs> I don't know. I was still confused. I still didn't find whatever I was looking for. I wasn't sure what I was looking for. Thanks, Bona. And I didn't... I had a problem with American culture. I had a problem with it. I had a problem with the news. I had a problem with the Walmart. I had a problem with the McDonald's. I mean, I realize McDonald's is everywhere. But just this... I'd say it also comes from a self-worth place. I didn't like myself. Yeah, sure. And I identified myself as an American and was only seeing Americans. Yeah. And then I also started understanding or like seeing this kind of idea of this global worldview of like get out of America. You know, because most Americans actually just stay there. Like they'll go to Florida for vacation or California for vacation because it's a huge place. I think that's the case with a lot of places. I mean, I've got a lot of homies that 
moved back to the small, you know, like the small mm. like suburb that I came from, and then mm-hmm. they got a house a couple of blocks away from mom and dad's house, you know, right, right. which is nothing. There's nothing wrong with it, you mm. know, but like yeah, some of our our some of us have the spirits that need to like wander, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you left and like you you went to London first. Yeah, so I wanted to get a ticket out. How did you get the ticket? The ticket? Yeah. I just bought it. You you had the bucks. You could you saved it through. You didn't. Yeah. You, you couldn't exchange weed for a, a flight ticket. Well, I also got paid. Okay. I okay. I didn't get paid much, but yeah. for my trimming work, I I preferred to work other ways, like doing landscaping and stuff like that, so I could find out other ways to work other than trimming. Because when you just just as a side tangent, when you just do trimming, you're basically doing this meditative work yeah, with your but it's hands. Heavy for your hands as well. Yeah, and and then I didn't so wear people gloves get like car- in the beginning. Carpal tunnel as well from like yeah. if trim trim a lot. And I just felt I was getting like in a drone state of mind, and and then you would just do it for twelve hours or something. Yeah. And then I didn't do it with gloves in the beginning, and and then I was just getting completely high, and I didn't even know because it was just like going through my hands, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I tried to do other types of work, and then I I got a job again when I was back uh, back home for a little bit and saved up a little bit more money. Um, but through actually giving people weed, I saved money the whole time. I basically only had to pay for food okay. when I was when I was traveling through. Um, yeah, and then I went to London, and then I just took a bunch of drugs and just went went the, the squatting scene and just got drunk all the time <clears throat> okay. because I was also twenty. Right? But did you have a so place like, to go, or did you just arrive in London? Like, did you have anything I, set up? Dude, the first day in London is a fucking disaster for me. Because I was doing couch surfing, right? Okay. This is when couch surfing was, was really a thing. Still a thing. It was like a vibe, and it was like a community. It wasn't like come to my house and have sex with me, otherwise no. leave. Okay. I've had similar experience. Okay. <laughs> um, but so I arrived in London, get off the airplane with the same backpack I had when I was traveling through the states, and then I'm supposed to meet this guy, stay at his house. I meet the guy. He's really short. Uh, that doesn't have really anything to do with anything, but maybe inferiority complex as we'll find out maybe a little bit later um and it was the day of the national naked bike ride which is a thing there where a bunch of naked people get on bikes and and drive around and he was like do you want to come with me to the national naked bike ride and i was like i just got to this foreign country and got a lot of shit in immigration because i don't have a place to stay and they like checked my bank account and told me i need to leave within three months because of Schengen stuff and i don't know i would like to just put my stuff somewhere but being that i was a kind of yes man at that point and like experience take me with Mm -hmm. you i i was like yeah sure what do i do with my bag and he was like um yeah you can come to me we just go to a casino you put your bag in the casino holding area you can get it back for free and then we'll just do the naked bike ride. And I was like, okay, you think that's really fine? He's like, yeah, it's really fine. It's amazing how gullible I was. Like when I'm thinking of this, I'm like, how, how am I actually doing Did you that? get your bags back? I did get it back. So okay. I went into the casino and I gave him the bag <clears throat> and the guy's like, you know, you have to gamble if you come here. So you have, you have to then play in the casino. You can't just leave your bag here. And I'm like the hippie from Haight-Ashbury still, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, for sure. No worries. And he's like, okay, but you can't just leave. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. And I give him the bag, walk through the casino, go out the back way. And then I came back later, I think like five or six hours later, and the guy's like super pissed off and like, dude, you can't do that. You broke all the rules. Da, da, da. But he gave it back to me because I was like, please, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and I told him, I'm just here for the first day. Okay, so I put my bag there, meet the guy again, get on the naked biker. And he's like, why aren't you naked? I'm serious. This, this is true. And I'm like, 
why should I be naked? He's like, everyone's naked. Why don't we just get naked? And I'm just like, did I literally find like the one like gay guy who's like just trying to trying just trying to, to get naked. on me? Just like really like this is what's happening. But was he gay? I okay, so I ended up getting somewhat naked. Okay. I kept my boxers on. Lame. And we got like those those rent bikes, you know, where you, he's like, just rent one and then it doesn't cost that much. The guy's just like conning me the whole time somehow. And I'm like, huh? but I don't get it. And I just go, and it was really fun. It was like naked bike ride. And like someone took like a picture of me and stuff and posted on Facebook later. And I'd ask them to take it down and everything was a bit weird. <laughs> but you weren't naked though. No, I wasn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But my mom could still, you know, she mom. still sees Sorry, that. Sorry, mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and then we like did the naked bike ride, and then I ended up meeting cool people in like a park, and I was like, "Oh, these people are really cool." And then I realized that the guy I was with was kind of weird, and I was like, "Hmm, maybe I don't want to stay with this guy. Maybe I want to stay with these people." And then I was like, "Okay, maybe the universe figured it out for me, right? I didn't put my stuff at his house. I put it in a casino, which is weird, and I'll meet other people and just stay with them." Because he was starting to kind of like hit on me or something like that, which I thought really wasn't cool. Because it's like, dude, we have like this arrangement that I sleep on your couch That's- and that I'm safe. But that's the arrangement. Yeah, that's the arrangement, right? <laughs> oh god! And then, and then there was a scene, right? So it's the end. Everyone has their clothes on again, and uh, and then we're in this area, and I'm with these cool people. I'm like, and I said, "Hey, man, I hope it's okay with you. I think I'm just gonna stay with these people." And he flipped out. He's like, "What? You you said you would stay with me." Why, why are you going to leave me alone? I was grooming you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is so weird. And then, um, and then, so with the people I'm with, I'm like, hey, I think this guy's really weird. Can, can you guys help me? Cause I, I don't know how to deal with these kind of situations. And then they were like, hey, he's just going to stay somewhere else. Like, get over it. You're going to be fine. And the guy's like screaming and like, you're, you can't do that to me. You agreed. I'm going to give you a bad rating. I'm like, sure, dude, give me a bad rating. I'll say that you're just like this crazy guy that tries to like make out with everybody. Not that he made out with me. Uh, and then the worst part is though, right? The people I hung out with and went to their house afterwards, they had like a crazy cocaine party. And I, I hadn't really done drugs at that point. I said, I'm not going to do cocaine. And then one of them hits on me. Another guy. Okay. And I was, but I was at this point, I was just like, nah, bro. Nah. Nah. I've been, I've been through that. Nah. Not happening. No, no. And he was like, okay. I was like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> oh, but at some point you did give into the drugs. Not at, at that At some night, point, yeah. Not but, there. Not with that guy. Okay. No. But he was chill as well. He was just like, oh, it's okay. You're really cute. And I was like, thanks, bro. You too, I guess. <laughs> and what what drugs oh, were you into? God. Um, so when I so after that there was a there was I gotta tell you about the so the couch surfing thing turned into a squatting thing. Okay, because there was a certain squat called Palestine Place, I believe, um, which was in the middle of Gray's Inn Road, um, and that's like a really uh, Chancery Lane, I believe it's called. It's like business district, mm-hmm. just full on business, like nobody lives there. Okay, and they like took over a whole building. Um, and there was, I think like 200 people living there and the whole top floor was all couch surfers. So there was this one guy who was like, or him and his brother who were like kind of running the place and they would just invite all the couch surfers and be like, so if you want to just like hang out in a squat and like live on a floor, like you can do that you can stay here as ever long as you want and there's no rules and it was just chaos. It was just like anarchy. And I was like, great, this is cool. But the owners of the building didn't know about it or like? Uh, they knew about it, but this was during the time... 
when you could still squat legally in London, which okay. changed in the end of 2012. Okay. But basically, you could not be evicted out of a building because of a certain law that said if you are inside of a building and you are living there and you're not destroying everything, like if you're not blowing things up, basically, you can't be removed unless you leave. So then if yeah, you we would... have a similar law in South Africa. Ah, yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah. But they <clears throat> removed that because then... Squatter rights, basically. Squatter rights, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I guess it's a really old, like, common law, mm-hmm. you know, that they had in the place. the South African legal system is based on, on, on yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess was for some some other times, but but it was great, man. Uh, but then that, there was a lot of MDMA, and then kind of like 2CB, 2CI, and then, and then it started getting into, like, research chemicals and oh, stuff. Gosh. I mean, I've Cutting seen... Cutting edge there in London. I've seen some... I saw a girl, like... They, oh. You know, um, she did full wheel, What's like yoga. Oh, full wheel. Yeah, thought you were like talking about like full retard. Like no, well, like, also, like also, a, okay. She she smoked something called black mamba. Okay, which was like a synthetic. Sounds lovely. Synthetic weed. Okay. And then I tried it and I said, "Yo, that's like some some tar from a, I don't know what that is. That's like some chemical weird thing." And then she smoked a lot of it and she was like 17 or something. And then she went to the bathroom and came out naked, did full wheel. So like she was like on her, and she's not a yoga person. She was just like, and literally like walking like that. So with her hands and feet and going (laughs) crazy shit. And when I saw that happening, I was like, I think I'm going to leave. I think this is time (laughs) to exit. I've seen someone get possessed by a demon. Yeah. It's time to go. Time to go. (laughs) And where'd you go? Uh, I, where did I go? I was on the way to Prague because I heard Prague was the cool thing. I never heard about Berlin before. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like no one in in America told me about it. Yeah. I can, I mean, I can kind of understand it. I mean, for me, it was also like, uh, I guess Alice had a quite a strong role to play Mm. because, you know, Alice Phoebe Lou, for those of you that don't know. The queen. You know, the queen of the streets, you know. <laughs> and Alice, I, I met Alice in uh, South Africa as she was going to Berlin already for the second or third time type thing. I mean, she was first going to, I think, Belgium somewhere. Or where, cause I think that's where mm. her heritage is, or, or Netherlands. And, but ultimately landed there. And so through that, it was like, oh, that's a place you can go to be a musician. Mm. Mm. Anyway, that's cool. But Prague, dude, that city's got such a cool feel. Yeah. Like I've only been, I've been there a couple of times mm-hmm. and I always really revel in the opportunity of going there. I actually would really mm-hmm. like to stay there for like a week. Yeah, you should. And just like should. feel what it feels like to. I would like to know what it feels like now because yeah. I was there, I don't know, nine years ago or something. Yeah. 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 It's got a crazy, it's like a crazy, cool, gothic. Bohe- mm. I mean, it's literally the original. It's Bohemia. Bohemia. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you feel it. Yeah. You know? But wow, dude, that language. (laughs) I tried, man. Because I was there for about a year. And I tried, but I didn't really try. Because they have this one letter, which is a Z with an upside down triangle, with like a V on top of it. Yeah, that sounds pronounceable. And it's the the best someone could tell me. He's like, it's like a... So like a... But all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and then the problem is... Sounds each, like a reasonable sound right? to you know, want to make. In you know, speech. here I am in... <laughs> <laughs> no, but incredibly complex language, definitely. Um, but I, I had a very dark time in Prague. How so? Yeah. I, I, felt, I felt like Kafka. 
He fell into that guy. Oh yeah, God. I felt like like full on metamorphosis, like turning into a beetle. Hectic. It was, it was hectic, but those are but also. Were my you decisions. making music then? When did you yes. start like making music? That's like, when I started. Well, I was like London. So I, I, yeah, I was like writing music, and that was kind of like drug infused music yeah. in London. And then I was like, "Fuck, I can do this." Yeah. And people were like, "Yo, you're good," and I was still finding my voice, and I was yeah. basically just shouting. People were like, "You should do this on the street," and then playing yeah. on the street. So you were busking in London. A little bit. Okay. I was more so just having fun. Okay. Uh, and partying. And then when I got to Prague, I was like, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then I would busk every day and just go on the street. And um. I- and those days were good though. Like I, you, there was a lot of money to be made in Prague until they changed the laws. They, they made it quite they a lot. They changed it. Like, like about two years ago, I think they made it a mm. lot. Because I was also looking, or three years even now. Because I was like, yeah, man, I want to go to Prague and go busk there and stuff. Yeah. And then people were like, yeah, no, it's like not a vibe at the moment. Really? Okay. Because yeah, just, a, I mean, that the old the old town, the old city is so full of tourists in mm-hmm. summer, you know. Yeah, like yeah. People just go. No, I mean, you can make good money. I mean, I would have it where people sometimes put like, you know, of course it's Czech krona, so it's not euros. But the equivalent of like 20, 50 euros sometimes. But I, and the cops weren't basically weren't there. Like yeah. they they didn't really care um, as long as you weren't being violent or something or being too crazy. But the shop owners, because we would be in these like small little alleyways mm-hmm. where all the tourists are. A lot of the shop owners had a huge problem with music, and then there was a lot of these kind of like battles between the buskers and the shop owners. And they like turn the music up and stuff, and then we'd like turn the amp up, yeah. you know, and just like can't stop me, can't stop me, bro, you know. I'm from the streets, man. You don't know the streets I'm from, man. Yeah. Uh, no, and that was cool. And then I got into like a whole little artistic scene and uh, and had some more experiences uh, with with different substances. And uh, and it was beautiful and it was dark. And and then I had some like like some of the darkest things happen to me. You know, I had like feelings of where I was God and controlling reality, and then moments where I couldn't control anything and I was just completely lost. And so it was kind of this like. Yeah. You know, just like what's happening, and then at some point, a lot of my friends started going in a in a bad direction, and I saw that happening. And uh, but I will say, so there was like these these few bars we would hang out, and there was a big expat American community, almost only American and guys from England, but a lot of Americans there, and and there was like this whole like philosophical, you know, like, let's let's drink a lot of beer and talk about like weird things. And, Mm-hmm. Take mescaline and figure out what the meaning of life is, but not really. And, yeah. and, and kind of this kind of like dark, yeah. dark vibe. Uh, but it was a very inspiring city, I would yeah, say. Yeah. As as an artist, like all these old buildings and the pastel colors of the buildings yeah, and dude. these gothic yeah. spires, you know. Like yeah, you feel it when you're there. The sky. Yeah, dude. Uh, but it's cold. Yeah, I had that feeling from the from the, the energy people. from the people. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. when you can't speak Czech, they're just oh. Yeah. You're just one of those. You yeah, know? And yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's very gothic somehow. Yeah. And then, beautiful. And then Berlin? How do you when why why Berlin? Uh I went to Rainbow Gathering in Slovakia. Okay. And that was weird. Okay. I got lice in Rainbow Gathering. That sounds appropriate. Yeah, right. I was uh, <laughs> I was like, this is this isn't safe at all. What do you guys so and I went to the, there was like a doctor station. And the guy was the guy was like, you should put ginger in your hair. And I was like, <laughs> I will elect for a doctor now. Thank I'll, you. I will I'll take not whole pieces of ginger. <laughs> He's surely. like rub it in your hair. The whole pieces. Yeah, well, like you cut it in little pieces, and I guess you would make a paste or something. But to me, it just seemed like he was like, just put ginger in your hair, man. You know, just get rid of him. You know, 
Gosh. That was funny. There, That is the most pseudo-spiritual thing I've ever seen, dude. But that was funny. But I met a few people from Berlin there. And they're like, where are you living? I was like, here. And they're like, come to Berlin. There's artists and stuff. I was like, cool. Can I stay at your house? And then and then came to Berlin. And then just things just flowed. Okay. Yeah. And then in Berlin, <clears throat> then music was like the thing. Because Berlin kind yeah. of is like very much the city for music in a way. Yes. Or at least... Yeah, um, a lot of writing, and then you were yeah. playing, and then you were like, not Temple the Troubadour. You were no. Temple Hayes. Yeah, you were playing the streets. Yeah, and you were doing like your singer songwriter kind of thing, mm-hmm. like before you had like people that you played with or whatever. Yeah, and so you released some albums like that or some. Nope. No, it was just like jamming. I was just recording. Had no idea about any type of recording process. I would just like do demos on my phone. Figured out I should make a SoundCloud page, uploaded a thing from my phone, and a bunch of my friends from Prague liked it, and then they shared it with other people, and then and I was like, oh, this is a thing. I mean, you've always been really good with social media, it seems. Or that at least for me, mm-hmm. it's something that I, I um, somebody who's not been so good with it at, for the, most of the times, mm-hmm. like, see as a, as a very positive quality in at least somebody that's kind, kind of trying to market their shit. Right. You know, like, so you've been really good with that. Well, I kind of needed it. <clears throat> for sure because when when you're just out there with nothing and i and i and that was my whole idea was to live within insecurity because i actually read a i didn't read it but i read a page in an osho book when i was in san francisco never knew who osho was all you need one and, page. and yeah and it was literally like he said live inside insecurity and you find freedom and i was like that's what i'm trying to do <laughs> this is great <laughs> This is I great. like Osho now. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. Okay, and then so with that, then it's like couch surfing connects to Facebook, connects to different groups, and da, da, da. so I've been kind of connected that way, and then staying in touch with people through Facebook and that stuff. Okay, yeah. Okay, but so then you're here, you're playing the streets, you're basking. I had the same journey, and I mean the streets of Berlin. I think it deserves a moment to think and talk about because for me still now i mean you and i are probably going to go and busk in the next weeks just because yeah. just because it's a vibe and it's great that we in the position now where that's not something we have to do yeah it's because there was a time when i was like shitting myself about not making rent or right, like right. just yeah, literally too. being able to eat mm-hmm. like because you know need to make the money and when you go to the streets with that kind of energy where it's like oh, shit i really need to make it's like tough I really need to make like 200 bucks in like the next three days kind of thing, you know, mm. like, um, especially when you don't have CDs to sell or anything, it's like, but it's like the f- still, still the freest feeling like I've ever felt mm. even now, like going out to play on the street. Yeah, dude. Okay. Like to go out, like with my little, you know, street amp and my, like some CDs and like a little looper pedal or whatever. And like mm. your little trinkets and you just push it around and you're like. You know, like play, just play your music, you know, mess around. People come, they show appreciation. If they don't like it, they walk on, you know, they give you money. You make enough money to buy something to eat and something for the pocket and you go home and it's just like, I don't know. It just feels like very basic, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, yeah, it's something I really, really appreciate about this place still. Something that I think we should do. Uh, as we get older, encouraged to mm. remain a part of the city. Because it's yeah, always man, like a it's thing. Important. It's always like a thing, you know, with like, like, so in Germany, 
uh, you have the police or the polizei, and they're the police, you know. And actually, and and currently in the world, like whenever you're listening to this, police uh, is again central focus because of police brutality and all these things. But for the most part, one has to admit the German police are a far a far cry better than than South African police for sure, and I'm or American, sure, American police. police. Pretty chill. Um, yeah, they're pretty amazing. Um, but uh, in Germany, they also have something called the Ordnungsamt, yeah, which literally <laughs> translates to like the the order authority, yeah. And they're <laughs> the people that you should shit your pants for, yeah. That you like should like the wannabe cops, yeah. Basically. But they're the yeah. wannabe cops, but they're the people that can really dish out the pain because yeah. they're the people that writes the fines yeah, yeah, and sure. determines whether you're like doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Mm. Luckily, though. For the most part, Germany is actually very good with speaking English. At least in Berlin, Berlin, like the official language is like bad English. Yeah, that's the but, running joke. Yeah. But in the rest of Germany, people don't speak English very well and you have to kind of learn and uh, um, learn to speak German. So Temple and I can speak German, which is dope now. It's geil. It's geil. It is this geil. Um, but the thing is, when you meet the ordnings up on the street and they come to you, it's like... Entschuldigung, ich kann uh, kein <laughs> English sprechen. Uh, ich gehe, ich gehe jetzt. Yeah. You know, like you're just like I can't speak English at all. Yeah. And like the funny thing is, people in those positions, most of the times, they can't speak English, so they'd like yeah, yeah sure. a little bit. Oh, okay, cool. It's like this is more awkward than yeah. what you're doing is wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so please go, <laughs> please go. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but so you're busking and you're uh. like doing the thing, and then. At some point, you jam in a country band with some homies that I met once yeah. or twice. What, what was well, that? The f before, that's Wreckheads. Mm -hmm. That's with Michael Brinkworth, who's, who is a Berlin legend. He's mm -hmm. the bar busking legend. Okay. This man can go in a bar and make like a hundred bucks playing three songs. Because that's just what he's done for the past five, six years. Okay. He has like this magic that he puts on. Where he'll just go in the bar and be like, <laughs> just, And people are just like, whoa. Um, but before that, I had a band, which was my name, Temple Haze. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we called it Oh Haze because we were like, we're a band mm -hmm. and because we're like, Oh, Haze. <laughs> uh, and that was really cool. That was, it was like the first band I really had two really amazing guys from Spain, one from Spain, one from Puerto Rico, Varian Villanueva and Mickey Fernandez. And they were Shout great. Out. Shout out. They're great dudes. Um, sadly, we were all too too messed up in our brains to really figure out what we were doing. Bands are tough, man. But we did like a six-track EP out of nowhere at Tone Vision Tone Studios. Shout, shout out, out. Shout out to, to Jörg. Jörg. Uh, who we'd call Schausch. Schausch, I think. Schausch. Schausch was the nickname. Um, and we like did that and it was like three months of putting the songs together, three months of recording. And then we did it and then at some point there was just like some kind of stupid thing we were like, this doesn't make sense anymore, bye. It's like, ah... And it was like this kind of they fast to you, forward, or like you. All yeah, it was kind of it was kind of like agreed upon. Okay. It just didn't make sense anymore. Um, and it was this like fast forward moment, right? Like get with the guys, brotherhood, record the thing, and then we realized that what we recorded was just like way too much. Like it, the the songs sounds like a pretty shitty montage. Yeah, the songs and basically were me freaking out, and then at some point I would just be done freaking out. And that was like what it was. Because it was just like full on like Nirvana meets Led Zeppelin meets some some cheesy stuff. Okay. That was the vibe. Gotta love the cheese. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a track. It's called Fucked Out Your Membrane. 
and I out your membrane. Yeah, and I love this song because it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But there's a point where I go like, <laughs> like I, I get to this scream mm-hmm. where it just sounds like I'm dying. Okay, you know. But it's like really good. It's like this, like ooh, it's dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll listen to that album and I, and I talk to the guys and be like, we made some really crazy shit back then. Like what? What was that? And we're like, yeah. Too bad we really too fucked up to figure out what we were actually doing. But it's so cool to have that, you yeah. know, moment in time. And then after that, I got with Michael Brinkworth, and that was like getting into the whole folk scene. And we had a band called Wreckheads, which obviously still there was this idea of not being very clear in the mind. Yeah. Being that we were yeah. called Wreckheads. Wreck heads. Yeah. The heads are wrecked. Playing country blues music, like that made any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. What doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, but that was that was cool. That but was, you, you, but you recently, like, I mean, in the last year, you've been hanging with the homies a bit again. Yes. Yeah, you guys have I'm been back like, in the scene. Dude. You guys have been jamming and back. like stuff like this. Well, we have for people who live in Berlin. There's a session that happens called Neulich sessions at Bar Neulich on Is that started Thursday. Up again? That's happening again now. That's Wait. already started again. Um, I don't know. I have to check. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Have I don't to know. check, but it will happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah, when that starts happening, that would be sick. It's so weird because at the moment, <clears throat> there's all these things like, you know, like not happening anymore, like festivals, yeah. like the whole yeah. summer festival is not going to happen. And like, yeah, all, all the gig opportunities gone and everything. Mm. And it's like, everybody's saying Just like... Just live stream, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's saying like next week, next week it opens, next week it opens. Right, right, and then yeah. every time it's like postponed. Yeah. But like... Yeah, now we are live streaming. I mean, we did our first live stream and it was yeah. because of that. Um, it was great. It was fun. What an opportunity. Opportunity to mess around. Just have fun, dude. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, that's... I mean, maybe that's a good good point to get to like the nerd stuff, right? Because, fuck, music is just fun and it's just expression. And like, mm, I, we both come from a background of being... being playing artists like playing instruments actively live i mean i think we're going yeah. entering into an age where there's a whole bunch of musicians coming and some really great ones that like don't know anything about playing an instrument mm. or don't know anything about theory or harmony and which is perfectly fine if you're able to i'm all for finding any way to be creative and like mm. if you're like a piano roll genius or whatever that's cool you know but um like what we did in that session was to some extent like us playing live, you know, with Ableton. Yeah. Which sadly I, I was hoping to actually kind of see more of in Berlin, mm-hmm. but it still feels like something that is, doesn't happen. You mean as, like a like a collaborative electronic music jam experience? Yeah, that and just in general artists like putting like their neck on the line when they perform, mm-hmm. you know, because with Ableton, with the technology, it's really great, but like... There's really nothing stopping somebody from just like lining up two clips and like oscillating between the two for yeah. each track, you know? Yeah. And that's what a, a fair amount of people do. No, I, I've seen it once, dude, that there was a guy who said he has, who was doing a live set and it was literally like two audio channels and the fades were already made between his tracks oh, and he pressed play and had like, uh, like filters. And then what he did most, he was, it was cool music. Really cool guy. The main thing that he did was make videos of the people. I know it. Yeah. She's hitting that social media. Dude, I was like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> like, are you serious? And I went, because I went behind to see, like, what's your setup, right? I was mm. going to ask him. And I get behind the, the DJ booth and I'm just like, you're kidding me, right? I did. And like, <laughs> and the, the problem is though, like, like the question then really is like, is like, is it wrong? You know, not is, is it wrong, but are like, I think that's wrong. I think if you yeah, if you don't sure. have any choice, like if you literally have two hours where you press play, yeah, yeah. I understand if you have different tracks that you're gonna play probably in a certain order, but you but you have freedom to change them. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's fine. But if you have like two hours and you don't do anything, yeah, what's the point? Yeah, totally, dude. But I mean, from a from a user perspective and user being the audience, like. Oh, they, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah, like they, yeah. they, they don't give a rat's ass. No. And in fact, um, that sticking your neck on the line and doing something less than perfect is less good to them. You know, from the user experience, yeah. where it's like, whereas like, I as a musician love it so much when somebody puts their neck on the line. I remember, do you know Romare or Romare yeah, or whatever? Sure, sure. Like fucking sick, homie. Pro- sick yeah, producer. Great. Really, really Super like inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I uh, we, shout out. Listen to this bra. Um went to his show at uh what's the place? Is it Neuerwelt? Huxley's Neuerwelt. Huxley is it the one that's like kind of like Bergman Kitsi? Like kind uh, of like You mean Gretchen? I think it's Gretchen. Probably Gretchen. That's you know, the like one near it, the LPG. Yeah, near the LPG, exactly. Yeah. He was playing there and he had like a setup where he was like you know, like a classic producer setup. So there was like computer and some controllers. I don't think he was using a push or an APC. I think it was kind of like a bit more like, old like with school. a mixer, kind yeah, of thing? yeah, 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 yeah. Like with own ma- map shit. I knew mm. you had like a Casio keyboard there, like for like actually for drum sounds, just for drum sounds, really? and like um, <laughs> and one or two other things. But then he also had like a guy playing, um, pretty much just playing congos the whole time, right? And a guy uh, switching between a couple of instruments, like trumpet, like what did he play? I can't remember now, but like trumpet and like bass and like something else and then he himself also played guitar but there was like a couple of times where it was literally like a jam where it was like putting himself out there like figuring it out and there was one time where it actually kind of fucked up Mm. and like he kind of brought it back Mm. but that was like the moment i remember as the most positive moment for me in the Uh, whole set because it was like something is happening right now you know right yeah yeah but um and that's what Ableton's really cool at, you know? It's like a really cool software to like really set up in whichever way you want. Like, I mm-hmm. guess you can these days like play with anything, you know? You can play with fucking GarageBand or yeah, Free Cubase, Loops or Cubase or whatever. Things, yeah. But like, yeah, like it's really, really geared towards super cool live performance modalities and mm-hmm. ways of setting it up. I'm still figuring out ways and it's like yeah. always like flabbergasting. Mm-hmm. Flabbergasts me like, how many different ways there are of doing the same thing, you know? Mm. But you also produce in Ableton, right? Yeah. Like, have you always produced in Ableton? Yes. You've never produced anything else? No. I have once mixed a live session that I did in Logic, and it was a nightmare. I really didn't like it. I didn't. I tried to, like, figure out how to do it, but I was so used to Ableton, and, uh, and I just didn't. I couldn't. So funny. I've actually never couldn't. met anybody that's only ever worked in yeah. Ableton. I got into this pretty late. Yeah, yeah, you got into production. 2016, 2015. Dude, that's... Probably cra- 2016. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, you're yeah. such a freaking good producer. Yeah. 
Well, I was lucky to be in a band where we had a great producer and I could just watch everything he did. What is this now with Noah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With Bakery, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I could just like see the things he did and then I get like a cracked version. I now have the official one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ableton. Very Thank nice. you, Ableton. Thank you. I got I've, it. I've already used my three licenses with Ableton. I'm going to have to get another one. Soon. No. You can, uh, you can get it online. Yeah. Apply. <laughs> what, what kind of... Se- what is that sentence? You can buy it online. You can you know buy that? it on the black market around the buy, corner. On buy the it Sunday. on the black market. <laughs> um, no, it's good to get those updates. Yeah, but... It's fresh versions. Yeah, the fresh... The, 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 no, I just love Ableton... Because for me, it was the way that Noah used it. And in, in, I had this band called Bakery. Um, and the producer, he always used Ableton in a very special way. As in like, he would just play with it as if it was a video game basically totally. and just try stuff out and i was like this is easy and he's like yeah it's really easy you can just have fun yeah dude uh, I, I, that's the crazy thing for me about ableton that like really blew my brain like when i started getting into ableton because my journey with daws is pretty much like like cakewalk cubase reason oh wow uh logic and then ableton yeah like but different stages like i right. kind, I kind of only ever really learned logic the okay. other, other things were just me using daws as a as a tape machine as a mini like as a way to like get stuff in there um but like with ableton having like each parameter like even the pitch of the clip be a thing that you can play with so musically good. you know love it like like it's not how can it be any other way yeah, dude. No, I can't imagine it. I used Fruity Loops, actually. Oh, I started DJ with Fruity Riddling. Loops. Tell me about DJ D- Riddlin. You told me about DJ Riddlin. Also you- known as DJ L Cypher. Okay, what was that again? That was my random thing. What I guess that's the first time I really made music was when I was 14 or 15. I'm very bad at remembering dates of oh, yeah, ages same. and so on. Um, and I remember because my stepbrother, Daniel Nessel, Shout out. <laughs> shout out, Daniel. <laughs> shout out. Uh, Don't you also have a Daniel in your name? No? No. So what's your temple? What's your second name? My name is Jonathan Allen Temple Hayes. Ah, uh, Jonathan Allen. Temple yeah. Hayes. So I go by my second middle name, folks. Mm-hmm. It's official. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. If I if I was going with my full names, people would think There we go. That's it. That's like exactly my name. It's exactly the way you pronounce it as well. Fucking amazing. Really good, right? Mm. Um, so he he was like making beats on Fruity Loops and him being a year older than me and him being like the only other guy I'm hanging out with as a kid, I was like, I want to be you. Yeah. And he, he would like play basketball and stuff and he would like, he like showed me, yo, you know who Mad Lib is? And I was like, I don't know what music is. <laughs> and then he like showed me like hip hop and I was like, wow. And then the first uh, CD I ever bought was NWA straight out of Compton. Oh, nice. This is like the classic white kid in the suburbs in the like late 90s. No, sorry, in the, in the 2000s. Not that old. What am I talking about? Um, and then I'm just like, straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. And I'm just like, yeah. And then I was like wearing Jordans and like I shaved my head and I like had like baggy clothes. And then I was like, I'm going to make hip hop beats. But you were making free, you were using yeah. Fruity Loops. So I had the free trial of Fruity Loops so I couldn't save anything. So I would just like sample stuff off YouTube and like drag it in and then uh, and then like make beats. And all the beats were basically like, like each one. Yeah. Just like super. 
And then, but cool samples. Like I found cool samples. And then I would like sample cigarette commercials and stuff and, and sample like Very the Captain future. America theme. Very and, future. And then I sampled like the, there was this TV show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia I sh- that I really liked. And I sampled like the, the beginning track, which is this, um, uh, it's, a, it's a classical classical piece. And then I would just like hardcore slice things and just like sample drums. Drums were also all sampled. And then I would, since I couldn't save it, I would just record it out into Audacity via like Soundflower or See, something. Dude, dude, but that's pretty advanced, like, bro. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, so I figured out how I can record my computer audio with Audacity and then that would be the track. And so I would make it for a few hours, record the track, and it's gone forever. And then I made like 12, 15 tracks or something. I made like 15 tracks. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and then I was like, cool, this is my thing. And then I called it Music to Get High To. Be aware that at this time I'd never taken any type of drug or smoked any cigarette or drank uh, any yeah. alcohol dude, at that point. My, and it was like of, called Music to Get High dude, To. Dude, one of my first songs <laughs> one of my first songs I ever wrote was like called like um, I like grass. I like grass, I would say in my British English accent. Uh having never smoked a joint. And only having smoked a joint then like Five years later, Five years for, later for right? the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so good. Kind of nailed it, to be honest. It was a good song. That's good. But um, and then I, I even sampled like Mad Libs tracks where he's talking about marijuana, and I'm like, yeah, that's the vibe, man. I have <laughs> no idea what that's like, but that's for cool. Man. That's cool shit. That's cool marijuana. Man. Cool, man. Okay, <laughs> so Ableton, Free Loops. People are still into Free Loops. Yeah, it's um, a thing. Like hip hop producer somehow you, guys I, but I, I looked at it again and it just it, I mean it's cool in the way that you have like the when it comes on there's like a MIDI sequencer that looks like a 808 you can like sequence yeah. like that so that's kind of cool kinda I guess hands on quick but otherwise A the name is terrible uh, B it just seems like kind of it's very confusing yeah. honestly and uh, uh, I don't know yeah it seemed like cool to start into yeah but then it wasn't really like full on like how do you use this thing? It seemed like little windows mm-hmm. that you could mess with, but it wasn't like a DAW for me yeah. somehow. Yeah. But that's just, I mean, I only use it as a kid. So. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, like there's a part of me that also feels that Ableton isn't a DAW. And it kind of isn't. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's called Ableton Live for a reason, you know? Right. Like, yeah, it's true. It's, it's a live set, right? Everything you make is a live everything set. Everything you it's make is a, a live set. Yeah. Like this, that's like kind of why... Like, kind of why, like, I guess they, they still don't have comping, you know, like, where you can't, like, record multiple takes of a thing. And, like, I think they do it on purpose. Yeah, I think some right? of it. Because they could have put it some in. Of, I mean, you can't import OMFs, you know, and OMFs is, OMFs is, like, the multi-track format for, like, uh-huh. um, that, like, a video editor would give you uh, um, okay. stems from a thing if you have to mix. Like, if you work uh-huh. in audio post-production or something like that. Right. And, like, you... Anyway, a video editor will give you something like either OMF or AAF, and this is like the universal multi-track format, and it doesn't support that, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot, and there's a lot of basic stuff like but like batch, batch ba- anything, batch anything. Like batch, <laughs> you can't do anything. Batch selecting anything, <laughs> and also like routing, like being able to root things yeah, properly. Sure, yeah. So you've never really worked with something that you can root properly, but like. Yeah, like, like like a full bus system and figuring that out. No, yeah, no. yeah, but I mean, like, like just the kind of intricate kind of effects that you could make if you were able to 
like send a bunch of stuff to sends, send the sends back to channels, but have the channels mm-hmm. that you're sending to the sends also go to the same channels, then sending that grouped whole mess back to one of those channels and creating a feedback mm-hmm. loop. There's like, mm-hmm. I mean, ad- admittedly, it's somewhat like advanced and yeah, sure. prone, prone to fucking out because you well, can Well, that's create, like audio engineering, yeah. I would but, say, yeah. But like, yeah. it's it's a shame that you don't, at least, but from a creative standpoint, it's a super creative thing. That's something that they should probably at some point. Well, like, I feel that it's it's like a really nice producer's tool. Yeah, I would say so like to produce, to have the creative process, to make it very intuitive, to just like put things together and get ideas out. I think it really works well. Yeah. But I don't think that it's in like an audio engineering workstation. Yeah. Whereas like Pro Tools, for example, is like this perfect mixing software and you can do all those things as Although well. Although I just fucking hate Pro Tools people, dude. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I know I, some people who use it and do it well. No, 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 no. Yeah. I know I know a lot of people who use it and do it well, but I'm not talking about the people as such. I'm just talking about Pro Tools people. Pro Tools people are like, like Bavarians. Yeah, but what about Reaper people? Yeah, true. But I mean, it's just like... It's, <laughs> it's just a like, whole other thing. It's just, <laughs> Pro Tools people are just so wholly convinced of the fact that Pro Tools is the it's best. It's the best you know? of all time. And Reaper people yeah. are exactly the same. Yeah. Although I don't know it's a lot of... It's open source, right? No, a lot of Reaper. Well, you pay for Reaper, but it is open source. Exactly. But um, yeah, like, I don't know. I think there's a, there's an aspect to... I mean, Ableton is also technically open source, isn't it? Can't you get the source code for Ableton on GitHub? I have no idea. I think so. I mean, I, I mean, that's basically like why Ableton will never die, you know, because mm. like they, because they opened up Macs, you know, like we say, they, they have the Macs like integration. It's created such a user community around it in the same way that native instruments have reactor and like a whole reactor community of people like mm. coding stuff. Yeah. It's like people get so invested in that infrastructure that like, even though Ableton is actually quite far behind with some of their innovations, like it's just the structure is too rigid now. I think people are going to stick to it. I mean, I'm going to stick to it. Like using Ableton. Yeah, I reckon. Like, yeah, I mean, because sure. you do you know Bitwig? Heard of it. So Bitwig is like a company of people that okay, as the story goes, as I as I've been told, is like a company of people that like um, they were all part of Ableton, and basically they like put forward like okay, restructuring, recoding the software to be like certain way like to all these kinds of changes and then eventually apparently rob i think it's rob hinker i'm not sure the owner of ableton then at the time said yeah you know what okay cool makes sense i know what you mean but we're not gonna go so drastic with the changes and they they broke away and started bitwig which is like a direct mm-hmm. competitor and a similarly similar modular kind of like in mm-hmm. electronic music production environment which I, I get told to look into all the time. It's but a terrible name. Bitwig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take a, a bit like a like and, a and, and put a wig on it. <laughs> this is a great name. Just dress up those bits, bro. <laughs> and there's a gigabit wig and yeah. there's a megabit wig. Yeah, and a yeah, terabit wig. <laughs> um and a kilobit wig. Um but uh what was the point? But yeah, I wonder I wonder where they're gonna go go with Ableton. What, what would your favorite, like, what would be the thing that you'd really want them to add? Comping. I mean, just 
just being able to comp to be able to like record tracks over and over and it doesn't have to just be a loop and that there's a system where you can really put the takes together well because i and the way i use ableton mostly is because i just produce everything by myself at the moment is i'll like hit record and then do do a take or sometimes make a loop and do a take and then i'll have like this really long loop that i then drag out and then i have to cut it and make different tracks and it's a bit annoying so what i end up doing is just try and get get it right once delete it or you know move it and try and get it right again um and so it's a bit annoying in that way that i can't i feel like i don't it's not so easy to get the best take possible in an easy way no but it does there i mean it does have pros and cons and it's not something that i want to speak in favor of at all because it's stupid ableton make a plan but like (laughs) (laughs) but but there's something about like also this live ethos of ableton where like you know, it is what it is. You know, right. you you get like a recording, and then at the end of the day, the, the the mistake that's in there is the thing that, like, especially because it's loop based music, often, yeah, like, is the thing that becomes like the the real signifier or the like the mm-hmm. signature True. of of the piece. True, but you know, it's also a luxury that only us as people who are really intuitive performative musicians are able to even work around or enjoy because we're actually able to like play into latency or like play like just do a good take you know a lot of people yeah, don't yeah. have the ability to just right. do a good take well, that takes know? practice i think i mean that's yeah, really it it's like you and your daw or like you and ableton how much time are you hanging out figuring out how you do this in the best way like most efficient way possible yeah totally but um fuck, what was I want to say? yeah yeah but um I wanted to ask you um, what your favorite favorite free shit online is. Free shit of music? Yeah, yeah, like just audio, like like YouTube. No, no, no. I, mean, I usually just sample YouTube all the time. Yeah, I do totally. It's great. <laughs> it's the best thing. <laughs> yeah, something. I I don't give a fuck about bitrate, dude. No, like, it doesn't. When you're making electronic stuff, it doesn't matter. When I'm making like my my soul live music as like i still don't know how to call it like because i have this electronic stuff and then i have my song written mm-hmm. stuff uh, then i care then i'm really approved about everything but uh, for electronic music i think the more the more yeah dude and it's also just uh, like two very high-end plugins you know and it's like i mean you throw crystallizer on anything sound toys <laughs> shout out um then Suddenly, there's like fidelity. There's like fidelity there that wasn't there, you know. Yeah. Or you great. like use like some high end bit crusher, like you know, like mm. RC retro color shout mm. out, uh, or something, you know, and it like adds frequencies that. Yeah. Like you can do so much that get come back. No, but when I say free shit, I mean like, um, like free tools. Like mm. for instance, we both are big fans of 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 labs, right? Like Spitfire Audio. That's amazing. They they Spitfire Audio, shout out. Yeah. Um, fucking your stuff cool. is great, but it's, it's stupid expensive. expensive, dude. It's so expensive. It's really expensive, man. It's really they expensive. They have a Oliver Arnold's felt piano thing that only costs like 10 grand. No, I think it's like 2000 something, but but that for free the sample. Felt, for the sample pack. Okay. For, I mean, you get like but, his pianos apparently through his tape machines and stuff. I'm sure it's amazing, um, but that that free stuff is definitely cool. I've actually used the Labs felt piano dude, I on use a track. It, I use it a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Like, and they get the hammer sounds. 
I mean, of course, you can see that they they made it free. It's like the free version. There's yeah, like one or two bum notes. And yeah, like, and, and like, it's also like the the noise comes in really loud, and then you take off the sustain you know, pedal. Like, the noise exactly, and like the hiss builds up yeah. and like stuff like this. And yeah. have you noticed in the end? This is really nerding out on a particular plugin. Like um, Spitfire Audio Labs felt piano, uh, soft piano, soft piano. Where if you hold out the notes, it makes like these like yeah yeah sounds and yeah. i've even had it once or twice where it made something really crazy like it was like a, and then it sounded like someone was doing this like rubbing on the microphone I mean, maybe like on the left like and Easter, right like an easter egg that they put in yeah and i was just like wow what was that and then and then i was like oh that's cool and then I, but I, and I had like the midi track put in i played it again and it wasn't there and i was like right. what what What's happening here with your algorithm crazy system? But, then, but did you, you get all the new stuff? Because I added quite a lot of stuff to the labs. Like, uh, yeah. There's like a lot. I wasn't that impressed by the other stuff other than like the ch- charango. charango. Yeah, charango is cool. But, really nice. but the, I mean, the, the, the what's it like? The reamp cellos and like the... the those, I wasn't a huge fan of the string sounds. Some of them are nice, bro. I wasn't, some of them are nice. I got like, they had this questionnaire thing now that I also forwarded yeah. to you for the BBC Symphonic mm-hmm. Orchestra thing. But like, then you only get it like two weeks later, the download link. Oh, I got okay. the download link today. Okay. Checked it out. It's pretty wank. It's not so good, right? No. It no, didn't sound good. It's okay. It's just like, I mean, I have... It sounds like Logic Strings or something. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> I have Complete 10 um, or, yeah, ele- or 11, Complete go. 11, like Native Instruments Shout Out. Um, I mean, it's the same level. You know, yeah. like the Native yeah, Instruments yeah. Symphony, like orchestra stuff is like, okay. Mm. You know, it's like the Vienna Orchestra sample, something, something. It's, I, I was still the same symphony, symphony samples that they, I had already when I had Complete 7. Like there's a bunch of dope shit in, in Native Instruments Complete yeah. 11, like crazy cool I stuff. I mean, I didn't have these certain presets. Another producer I worked with, Naru, um, he had he had a shout out. He had these amazing, also amazing upright piano sounds. Not felt piano. No, no, Maybe no. they should do that. Everybody wants that. They have one actually. No, oh, they have one. But it's not so good. But it was really good. I was also, I was like, this is like, I at first didn't know. And then yeah. of course I put headphones on and then you can tell, you know. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. your average listener wouldn't know that. I'd say, but out of free stuff, I think the things you showed me, there was this one, what's the thing where you can see the luff? Oh, Lufs. The yeah, Ulean um, loudness, loudness meter. That's great. It's yeah. very boring and it's not exciting. <laughs> no, and that's but what's imp- great about it. It's important. Because it. when you're trying to master something, which I do a lot of mastering myself, that is just a godsend because you can get reference tracks and figure out what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and where then you they, match how it. How they're peaking it. And yeah, like, it's it's really nice. It's yeah, really nice. That, that thing is great. Dude, I'm, I'm just a sucker for like hunting for free shit on the internet because there's a really 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 good free shit out there and i think we both come and are all freaking music producers come from a place of like cracking software and dreaming of the day yeah. that you that you don't and yeah. pretty much getting there and pretty much now getting at there. the place of not doing that anymore yeah well i like, don't crack anymore yeah yeah sure yeah. same i i pretty much i'm subscribed to slate <laughs> i'm subscribed to slate digital which i i can i can recommend and, and how much is it like nine no 12 a month really for like everything this I w- podcast is not sponsored by slate no but fucking but you can steven, steven you're a bit of a knob but your software is cool and Who's steven steven slate bro that's his name yeah, yeah. but that's dude, the guy dude but he's so american did you was check him out yeah. like he, he like 
He does all this. Yeah, dude, exactly. And he does all his own promo material. It's like, my God, yo. Like, dude, I should actually play it for you. I was like, this because I can't do accents. You You don't have a young Jamie to pull it up on the Google. No, dude. (laughs) But, dude, you do accents so good. I can't do accents. But this guy is just like a. Dude, he's just like a jock tool, dude. Oh, God. Sorry, Stephen. I mean, you're fucking great, actually. But, like, just the way that he. But he leans into into the way he's perceived as well. But, anyway, Stephen Slade. Sound toys, uh, native instruments complete. Um, so I'm trying, and with with that that palette, there's already more than enough to do really high quality mixing. Yeah, dude. So I'm trying to like just stick with that, and then slowly mm. but surely buy things. You recently made the leap to to UAD, which yes, I'm very jealous it's about. Great, it's re- worth it. Yeah, dude, I really. It's re- annoying that it's worth it. Yeah, I re- but it is. Yeah, I really, really, really want to do it, but I'm holding out for someday that money flows in again yeah uh, right now i could like buy the same thing that you have the yeah. apollo duo but for my performance setup like i really need to have four at least inputs it totally makes sense yeah i totally get it because you also then get the preamps on yeah, the yeah. Four and so like i, I want to get sense. that x4 but um free shit dude i've been hunting for free shit and it's good do you know ott no no yes yes i do I've seen the freestyle. I never really got it. I actually use a lot of Melda productions. Do you know that? They have a great auto tune. So actually, uh, you know what? Really, with Melda productions, what really like? Because you turned me on to Melda. Yeah, with their their whack auto tune. That's cool. But (laughs) I didn't use it even. I haven't even checked the. They have a whole thing. You get like fifteen. Exactly. So what happened was that in that. And for any nerd people that want the solution to the problem I'm going to well, present to you. If people are nerds, they would have tuned out at yeah, this okay. point. <laughs> okay, so all my nerd homies still with us. Um, have you ever had this problem as a live performer using Ableton that um, you're unable to properly multi track your performances because you are kind of tied to the record arm state of your session? So if you like arm another track, Okay, it doesn't matter. So what M what Melda has is they have a unit. I don't know if you got that because and what no. I also really appreciated about Melda's installer is they give you like this free suite of like thirty things yeah. that you can opt out or into what you want. Yeah, that's what I did. Because I hate yeah, it yeah. when they give you everything, know. you know. But which um, is what UAD does. Yeah, yeah. And then you like download like four gigabytes of plugins. They're like, look, they're all here. Now search through for your fourteen. And you're yeah. like, oh thank you. Yeah, and pay us for all of the plugins. <laughs> and pay us for everything. But they have this one unit called M Recorder. Which is oh, okay. uh, a plugin that just records the incoming signal that runs through the VST, and it's independent of the record state of your DAW. So you can like say record now, and it doesn't. You're not recording your session. You're not doing anything with record. Because I've had it sometimes where because I play like synth live and soft synth live, and I do like voice live and guitar live, and all these things where you toggle the record on and off state of channels on and off. It can like sometimes like just take take the record state of another channel put it off and stops recording that channel mm. so like with that you can like create a whole group of channels dedicated to rerouting the channels of your session into them and then put an m recorder plugin on them and then they also have a thing where they're batched together so you can like batch all the plugins in the session together so you can just like press record and everything starts recording simultaneously to like a destination folder which Deep nerd, but super cool. Complex. Complex. I'm all about the complex shit, bro. What? 
<laughs> yeah, dude. No, that's 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 super great. And do you do you know Soundhack? No. It's also some guy, some professor. Of, this is all free stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Some professor of psychoacoustics or something like Ooh, this in America, nice. like coded and like distributed quite a fair of his stuff for free. Like, but some of it can kind of break your computer, mm. like the headroom. Right. The headroom limiting thing is not like set up so good. So mm-hmm. sometimes you can like fucking go to like plus 70,000 dB on your oh. zero dB limit master wow. bus. But you can get some interesting sound. Wow. Oh, dude, Paul Stretch. Paul Stretch. Paul Stretch Shout is out. cool. Shout out to Paul Stretch. That's amazing. Yeah. My, our, our friend Toby put me onto that. And then I made but my first. Do you first, actually ever use it? I do for meditation stuff. Yeah, I sure. never use it for like electronic or singer songwriter stuff, but for meditation music, I had it where I recorded a well, just one note of a piano. Dum. I guess I, I held it out for like ten seconds, put it in Paul Stretch plus eight hundred or whatever, and I made it like an hour. Mm-hmm. And it was it was like like Heaven. contrabass and cellos. Yeah, crescendoing all the in all, all the overtones yeah, and stuff suddenly it's just crazy and then i was like what happens when i make a chord mm. and then i did like a d just a d minor mm-hmm. just you know three three notes sounded terrible really? <laughs> yeah it's, it was like because you could hear each one because of course i don't hit them all at the same time even though yeah. i try to hit it all at the same time yeah, so you so heard it like like cut, and then I heard all the little tiny bits of being out of tune. Yeah, quite intensely at yeah. one point, and then they all. Oh, sorry, homies, we got. So I've got. I'm in a studio in Berlin, and uh, um, yeah, I share space. I share space with people that decided to have people over for drinks today. Having a party. Having a party. It's party land. Yeah. Um, but you hear, so you hear like the the notes come in, and at first it was kind of like, oh. It hurts, and then you hear the harmonics and the resonating together, yeah. and that was really cool. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Paul Stretch is like software that like literally can stretch your your audio over a year. You can yeah. like you can like go yeah. like I want to make why this. anyone would do that yeah. nobody knows. And but you can like great you, that you can. You can. It's great it's that important. like you can go like I want to make this three minute track a year long, and it'll. Do that eventually, well, it, and it got big on YouTube for these like times eight, time, eight thousand eight hundred videos. Eight hundred. Yeah. My favorite one is uh, "No Doubt." Don't speak. That one sounds really. Beautiful. Oh, you showed me that, I and like I had one. no idea what that yeah. was. Yeah, but yeah. it's great if you want to make like these long ambient things. Yeah, like take any kind of acoustic instrument or sound, and you can do amazing things. Yeah. Temple, I think we need to start wrapping it up because these people are freaking gonna start making noise here now. But um, but before we do. Uh, I want you to tell me what's up for the year. Like for the still, year, yeah, yeah. What? Nothing like? at all. Everything's canceled. No, I'm just everything's canceled. But <laughs> everything's I mean, you're making canceled. a record. You congratulations. You yeah. won something, right? Like didn't I you? won? Hmm? What did I win? You won. I got support. a grant. You got a grant. Got a grant. I'm, I'm a genius. Yeah, I got a genius grant. Yeah. No, I didn't. I got. I got. I got a grant. I'm making a, an LP. So I have an electronic EP that's going to come out at some point, hopefully in July. Oh yeah, hopefully. that's coming out with. With Tal de Vivion. Yeah. Um, and so that should be coming out. Then there's a remix thing coming out with that. And then I'm going... Right. So what I'm working on now, because I have all the electronic music kind of figured out, is an LP, which will hopefully be between eight and ten tracks, which will be my first actual album, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that I can also like have that music that I really resonate with, that I write and compose, put that out in the world. Mm-hmm. 
And um, yeah. And then otherwise, I have this project called Sneer Collective where we do sound journeys and do yoga stuff. And a lot of stuff was canceled as well, but that's starting up now again. Yeah, we have like a sound training where we teach people how to work with music. So how to how to work with music, how to work with uh, meditation and music and how to like host your own sound journey, how do you play singing bowls, all that stuff. So if you're interested in that, you can find that on our website. And then we have like retreats and stuff. We're also now with, with Geros and his lovely lady and with the partner of my company, we're going to do uh, singing circles now, doing yeah. that stuff. We Resonate have men's circles happening, all the spiritual things. Um, Music-wise, I don't think concerts are really happening yet, but when they do... But we're going to hit the streets soon. Going to hit the streets. Yeah, we're going to you know. go play a bit. And yeah. It's always an opportunity to to make some music. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. But I hope I hope concerts come back. Because I was really They, hope- they are. Correct. Yeah, small yeah. ones. Small ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But like club shows and shit, man. Electronic yes. fucking performances. Because yeah. I was really yeah, hoping yeah, yeah. to like this year with my Boomla project to like get into like performing live because I don't have a lot of experience performing live. Right. I mean, you're a master with an APC40. Um, Press the buttons. Yeah, but dude, but you really know what to do, you know? Like I really like... Um, All prep. Yeah, yeah. Prepping. It's a lot of yeah, homework. Yeah. It's a lot yeah, of homework. Mainly. And, uh, and I kind of also why I got into like playing like very live was because i haven't didn't have the time to do the homework so i uh, yeah. created the setup where i could loop everything live and create right. it live which uh, i'm very grateful to have done that's cool um but i'm in the process now of doing a, a lot of homework but that's also why i'm doing these live jams is just to like despite the fact that there's no gigs to to play creating mm-hmm. your own gigs and getting to hang with like crazy good musicians like yourself um, yeah dude it's and, important to yeah, play it's, it's so like, important like the jam that we did as well i realized like wow okay i've I've just worked on my set a little bit myself, but I haven't actually like played with somebody yeah, yeah. or you know done that in a really long time. Yeah, dude, it's it's really great. It's also really great for me because I get to like literally listen to your your separate stereo stem and go like, mm. wow, this is temple sound. This is the way his kicks are. Like this is the way that like he creates like and flows with energy over time and how he puts it all together and then. Give it like next week, maybe I'm. I think I'm the next one I'm doing with uh, a producer called Harry Charles. And Leatherby. Leatherby. And uh, you have such a good radio voice. The next one I'll be doing with. Uh, <laughs> I really don't think I should be hosting podcasts. Harry Charles Leatherby. But then you look at Duncan Trussell and he talks like this the whole time. So I think it's fine. Have you ever seen Black Books? <laughs> what? Have you seen Black Books? No, I haven't seen Black Books. Black Books has this one episode where. The lady Fran, 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 Fran. She um sees a guy from her past who mm. she kind of had a crush on, and he's a radio host now. Uh, and then yeah. she checks in, like she goes to bed, like right. with like preparing to like masturbate or something, <laughs> and she's just listening to him giving the weather report. Oh okay. God! And this is the weather report, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> um. But anyway, you know, like getting the opportunity to to like creating and that's the same with like the men's circles and it's the same with like the singing circles and everything is like creating the opportunity to show up yeah you know creating the opportunity to show up and like put yourself in a position of where you kind of like you know what's the thing you about osha's uncertainty you know leaning into live in in live inside insecurity yeah live inside insecurity live inside uncertainty it's like that like where you feel the resistance go into that yeah exactly like go into the don't don't avoid it you know so i'm like dude really grateful that that 
in in my journey here in Berlin, like you've been instrumental to that already. Stay also, hard, you know, dog. Stay hard, dog. <laughs> Fucking overcome that inner bitch. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Thanks a lot for for coming to do this. It was lots of fun doing the session. Lots yeah. of fun talking to you. First podcast. First podcast. It, it's it's. Uh, Without name right now, but it'll have a name when it comes out. Yeah, man. Yeah, cool. Boy. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Much love. Much love.